And I'm Karen Wright. It is 9.35. Joining me now for our segment, Gardening with Barb and Karen, is Barb Lamson. Hey, Barb. Welcome to the studio. Some great news. Got to thank our listeners for being such amazing listeners and all the the folks who were matching grant supporters, including the Minnesota River Valley Master Gardeners. We not only met the goal, we met the stretch goal, and we have exceeded the goal. Thank you, listeners. Oh, Yes, and what good news. I mean, <clears throat> that's what you need. On a beautiful day like this, it makes it complete, doesn't it? Oh, it's such <clears throat> a And yeah. we always knew our listeners were great. They oh, are absolutely. so special. We hear from them. We're just so glad to have that connection. It's uh, it's like a family out there, it, isn't it? It is. You're part of the KMSU family, and I, I'm so excited. So many folks have pledged for the puzzle. They can actually see the a lot of the entire uh, KMSU family, the volunteers, including you. Yeah. Hey, I was asking Shelly and Tim this morning if they're going to send someone over now to put it together for me. Oh, <laughs> There we go. We'll have a puzzle party at Barb's. You know, that's a good thing I love to do, Barb, in the winter when I can't get out and garden, is put puzzles together because it keeps me busy and sure. it's something to keep my mind alert. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's, I think we all grew up putting puzzles together. And um, if you came from a family like I did of, of six um, siblings, and uh, we worked on puzzles together in the wintertime. Oh, we did, too. Our family, that was a big <coughs> thing we get together. And my sister now, she's still into it so much that she's got, I don't know, dozens and dozens of thousand or more puzzles that have been glued together that are lining her basement walls. So I've she, seen that. Yeah. I've seen that. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah exactly. So she, and she's done, I mean, she does like the 4,000 piece. And it's just, yeah, she's she's uh, nuts about it. And she's so good at it with her husband. Uh, they can out-puzzle me any day. Oh, sure. Well, you know, talking about puzzles, our weather has really been a puzzle for oh, gardeners this year. And, and, so dry uh, and I, yeah, I cold just, and hot. and I've been so confused about this fall. <laughs> yeah. Because it, we did have a hard frost. It was 19 degrees one night. It froze most, uh, most things, and that's what we call a hard frost. So then after a hard frost, normally... We put down our mulch to protect right. the plants. But do you know the soil is still 52 degrees? Uh, yes, it is. As a matter of fact, I, I, I just, just looked tried. that up. Yeah, 52 I just degrees. looked it up this so morning. It's not frozen. No, it's not. It's not. And so, um, out of desperation and, and looking at my notes, I decided to call Shane. Shane Bugaja. Yeah, he's at the extension. Bugaja. I think I it's Bugaja. That you're probably right. Right, it is. Yes. And um, the soil temperature yesterday was 53, okay. according to the Minnesota Co- Climatology Group. At, and I might as well give you the bad news about rain, too. Uh, We've had 13.20 inches. And how short is that? We normally get 30.87. That's way 17 down. inches, yeah. That's oh. So <clears throat> it's, it's the climate change is here, and it's affecting us. And we can't do things the way we've always done them. So this is what Shane had to say about covering, putting down this mulch. He said, uh, while the soil is starting to cool down, and this 53 degrees is at 6 inches, so it's 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 still warm right. all the way down, which isn't too surprising because there's a correspondence between the nighttime temperatures and what the soil temperature is, how fast it's dropping. So he said, wait at least another week 
and we'll see what the weather before gets. you put any mulch before down. you put any mulch down because I always thought you were supposed to wait till it, it froze hard and the ground was actually hard still that, that's that's what I said too you know yeah so normally I can go out and I can take my spade and and try digging down and if it's fro- it's hard frost you can't do yeah, anything, yeah. yeah so that I know it's time I mean you can still plant bulbs and you can still plant trees sure. you can plant shrubs any of that stuff yeah and you know this year because it's been so dry and if you haven't got a lot of uh, organic matter in your soil <clears throat> the soil is hard it's I mean like it is rock so hard, hard yeah but it's because it's so dried out it's just terrible well y- you need to keep watering and we, we keep saying that till yes. I mean probably mid-November that you need to those plants uh, especially some of the evergreens going into the winter they're going to need that right. otherwise they're going to get the dry needles right and so it's really important to keep that up I have um I went to the lily sale and I wasn't able to get out this week because we had pledge drive so I've been busy but I've got a plant <clears throat> and quite a few lily bulbs. Of so, <laughs> so yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll be doing that and getting those in and watering in, in good, uh, but it's still, you can still do that. Yeah, exactly. And the thing to remember here is when you water, <clears throat> especially with your trees, uh, I was talking to my neighbor last night and um, he's watering his American chestnut tree, which is just really unique in this mm-hmm. area to have a, an American chestnut tree that came from an area where um, this one had come out of and the seeds had. And then you go to another area uh, so you can get one so that they cross-pollinate. Oh, sure. <clears throat> and and now he's got nuts on his, which is just such a great thing. But he put down 40 gallons again yesterday for that tree. And he goes out, clear out to the tree line. You need to go what's called the drip line, where <clears throat> yep. those leaves would drip if it was raining on the edge. Sure, yeah. sure. So, and um, he hasn't been using a, uh, a hose. He's been doing it by buckets mm-hmm. and and just, you know, slowly putting it in. So it's a labor of love, but then that's a that's a tree. You just It's taken him 30-some years to get to this oh, point. and, you know, we're going to lose <clears throat> a lot of trees. Uh, yeah. And we have this year. You can see some of them that are so stressed and some of them turned colors very early because they were so stressed, so dry and things. And, and it's just a part of what we're going to have to face is, we are going to lose some, and you know we don't know what next year is going to bring. So right. we might have another drought. So that's why changing how you garden, as you mentioned earlier, we're going to be do more, doing more xeriscaping, planting plants that are avail uh, able to survive sure, sure. drier, <clears throat> drier weather. Right. And you know the other thing about it is, um, we've been fortunate here in this area where we have had a supply of of water. We haven't had any real restrictions, right? Uh, so, but there are some states they don't have water left. In no, them. so they just simply can't water. So we have to we have to think about that too. One of the other things that Shane said was, you know, sometimes we like to uh, if we have uh, like a rose bush or mm-hmm. something that maybe we think isn't going to be a hardy, and we will make a um, <clears throat> a little. Um, mound fence around oh yes like and then I, you, chicken wire or whatever yeah right and you just and then you put leaves in there and I said well isn't it too early for that and he said well the thing that's that's good about that is that because it's so dry the leaves are so dry there and so if you're using something like that they're not going to mildew you know if you would put them on and it was 
cooler wet. and it was wet they'll mildew in there and that's a problem so the dry ones were- yeah because everything is dry everything is dry so he said in the same way when you put uh, I told him I push leaves I pushed them up underneath my plants and he said you know that's that's okay even though it's warm because um, they're they're not gonna rot there they're not gonna it's not gonna be mildewing so okay because I you know there's I have a giant pile of leaves that I raked before it rained, and I, I didn't have time to to chop them up because I do uh, mulch some of them. But they're under a giant, giant tarp right now, so I got to go out there. And and one of the things we want to keep some leaves, though we don't want to get rid of rid of them all because right. we talked about that before. I do get rid of them off of the lawns because the turf grass can't survive if there's a heavy layer of leaves but other places in your yard you know you can there's an edge or maybe some trees or something you want to leave some of those intact leaves not intact because there might be caterpillars or little eggs on there from the insects that are really important Mm -hmm. so i will leave some of that so i do mulch some uh, or you know shred them with my big shredder thing and then i use those as mulch in the garden beds, but also you want to leave some intact. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> those leaves that blow into the corners or mm-hmm. blow blow around the shrubs, That I don't rake out the shrubs. Yeah. I never, ever do that until uh, next spring, yeah. and then I'll take them out and then uh, shred them, and then they go back on as uh, compost or mulch. Either one it works really, really well. Yeah, we need to protect so, the pollinators as well, and we that's do. one we way do. to do and that. And you know if there's an open winter... That is so bad. If we wouldn't get snow and then it was cold, um, you, the sun shines in the daytime, the soil warms up, gets cold at night, it freezes again. And with the trees or the uh, perennials, all of this this, this change in, in the soil temperature day and night is what's so harmful to our plants. Right. It's that change. See, I, I saw a statistic that I thought was really interesting. According to a NASA estimate, there are around 40 million acres of lawn in the continental United States. So that makes turf grass the single largest crop that we grow. And that's really a disproportionate ratio of lawn to garden. And that's the main reason we have to rake, mow, and blow. And to mimic the natural ecosystem that an animal needs, a layer of leaves needs to uh, be at least a couple of inches thick. And, uh, of course, that's too much of a good thing for your turf grass to handle. But research has shown that uh, lawns actually benefit from a thin layer of leaves, and the rest can be piled up around, like you mentioned, your shrubs and trees and perennials and won't have any bad effects. So, so, you know, it's okay to have a few around here and there. Sure it is. Sure it is. I see the leaf vacuum city vacuum yes. sucker upper was out <laughs> and they were taking getting them all up but i also noticed you know we should talk about curb and gutter what is what a, is the difference yeah what so the curb you know when you when they put a new street in you get billed for curb and gutter right well the curb is where your lawn meets the the uh cement that that's about what Six inches higher than, say so. than, right. the, than the gutter, which is the part where the water and things run. Where you walk, yes, or, yeah. or yeah, it goes into the city sewer. That's where where the uh, drain spots mm-hmm. areas yep. are. So so they want you to keep those leaves right up on the curb. On the curb, so on top of the curb, right. and so not down below. And But I, I see so many, I mean, I think it's because they just see everybody else do it, so that's what they assume is the way to do you it. You know, I think that people think they know best because when we used to have a sweeper, 
Oh, and the right. sweeper would come. They they couldn't get up on the curb. But those suckers are meant to do uh, that. Oh, yeah. So I watched one. Oh, I did you? I actually <laughs> studied this whole thing. <laughs> so it has an arm that comes out, and then it has the like the nozzle part. A big drop. hose kind of thing. Yeah. It's a, they're driving close to the edge of the road or right. the gutter, and then that nozzle thing, that's going along on your, mm-hmm. and it's sucking that up. So you don't have to help the city. They have this figured out, and when they say... Keep them up on, on the, the curb. curb. That's where it should be. So try and do that. I know it's hard to break old habits, but it's so much better for uh, the storm sooners, and it's so much better when it gets if it doesn't get into our rivers and lakes. That is really good advice, Barb. So another good thing that was in the paper last week, and I, I wanted to follow up on, did you read this feature about Club to feature monthly spices. I think you talked about that. Did I? Did I talk about that? I think that? you mentioned it. Okay, I mentioned it. Well, I thought it was such a good idea, but it, I didn't quite understand how this works. So I called up the library in Elysian. That's the number that was in the paper. Okay. And I said, just how does this work? And what does it cost? All free. Free is good. Yeah, free is oh, such a great thing. So can anybody join? Oh, yes. Do you have to live in the county or the city? No, you don't oh. have to. All people are welcome. Here's what you do. You come to a meeting. They give you the spice for the month. So it's a spice of the month they, that they it pick. It is. Okay. Yes. Yes. And I, I didn't get into that with her, how they pick them, mm-hmm. but there must be a system. Okay. And so then at the end of the month, you come back. And you discuss what you did with your spice in your group. And if you want to bring a recipe, you can do that. And that's great. But here's even better news. Leave it to these little towns like like, uh, Lee Center, Waldorf, Waseca, Waterville. They they all have this same program through the library system. So it's through the library system. Yes, and they're offering this free in their communities. All right, so how does it work then? So the library, you go to the the library to meet. Right, you could, uh, or you could go online. Online, and, and if if you're in Waldorf and you want to find out when this is going to happen, you know, look up the number for the Waldorf Library, or go online. And, and what's it called again? So I know what to. It is called the monthly. Sp- uh, it's called the Spice Club. Spice Club. You're right. And right. and so it's basically to learn about how to use all these spices. Because a lot of times we have these cupboards. I remember as a kid we had this corner cupboard that had a, what is it, they got the thing that goes round and round so you can see all the different spices right. inside. And I had no idea. I mean, I, a lot of those cans sat there and never got used for forever. And then, of course, they get old and stuff. So Because we didn't know what to do with them. Yeah, that's true. Or you had one recipe you used it once, yes, and there it sat, and and we had that too. So every year you just use this one for maybe a holiday turkey or something. Uh, yeah, 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 or the plum pudding or one of those yeah. Christmas things. Yeah, that in our case it was some kind of a Swedish recipe that required something, and and I would tell my mother, we don't have enough room in there. Let's get rid of some of this junk. And she said, <laughs> No, this isn't junk. This is good. <laughs> Spices last forever. Well, mom, they don't. They really. get. They get. They lose their their um, flavor. Yeah, pungents. Yeah, and they get kind of flat, and so then yeah, things just yeah. don't taste as good. Exactly. Exactly. But this is a library program. Nice. I want to make that. Sh- so and I'll, it's free. I will check with our local libraries and find out if we have anybody that's doing this. Are you going to join the Spice Club? If I didn't have to drive too far out of oh, town, oh, okay, uh, uh, you know, and I'm not so sure about winter, oh, but right. I follow it. But if there's one that's close, yeah, um, even like if 
St. Clair had one, that's not as far as yeah. Elysian or... Yeah. You know, because you go like, well, coriander, what do you do with coriander? I don't know. I know what to do with the cilantro that I grow, but then it turns into coriander with the seeds. Yes. And I don't know what to do with them. I was swimming with a lady yesterday, and we were talking about new recipes, and she said she um, she likes to collect recipes off from the web, and she uh, reads them, and some of them she likes them, and then she prints them. And so she made one yesterday, and she said, I'm so disgusted, she said. I used, uh, I used three different bowls. There were three different things I had to mix up, and, and she said, uh, uh, and then I had to put this all together, and then after that was all done, I had to make this frosting for it. She said, it took me all morning long, <laughs> and I don't like it. And I said, why is that? And she said, there's too much spice in it. Oh. So here's the thing, you know, you could go and you could learn from another person's experience, you know, if they liked it and and why they liked it uh, and get ahead of the game there. And there are certain spices that people don't like. I know there's there's a certain percent of the population that's got genetics that when they eat uh, cilantro, for example, it tastes like soap. Yeah. There are reasons maybe that she didn't like it that we don't sure, know. Yeah. Sure. So well, interesting. Very, I love that. That is a really great thing. And, you know, herbs are something you can grow in the winter on like a windowsill as well. Do you do that? No, because I'll tell you what, my south view is for my big plants. Oh, you have all and the house plants. Okay. Yeah. And so they're hogging the plants and my lights are for the uh, aquatic <laughs> plants. So they're using that up. So I have to buy them fresh, and I really don't like to do that. They're expensive. Well, and you don't really know if they've been sprayed, you know, Organic, how they were yes. raised. You know, like that, you're you're not cooking it. Usually you're But if you it. do have a bright, maybe a south a patio door or something or a window, yeah. you can grow some of those things like a parsley or parsley cilantro on, yeah. in, Chives the, you could yeah, grow. in the windowsill yeah. just to use fresh in the winter. And if you don't have enough light, you might have to get a, a plant light. But yeah, that is something you can do. Just make sure you have a tray under it so it doesn't damage your wood or anything if it's sure, on a table sure. or whatever. And, of course, you can't take a winter vacation unless you've got a good gardener to come in and water for or you. Or you let it die and you go, oh, well. Oh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> true, too. <laughs> Composted. Or- and there's one thing I thought for gardeners might like. Gus Davis Adolphus College tonight. At, they used to call their arboretum the Linnaeus Arboretum. Right. But they changed the name oh. now. I don't know what it is, but from 7 to 8 o'clock tonight, they have a jack-o'-lantern trail at the arboretum there. Oh, fun. So there's no more information than that. It's um, free, or there's free will donations will be accepted if you want. But that might be if it's, uh, can you imagine, a lit trail? That would be if fun. you haven't been out in the evening walking around. and What time did you say that was at? Um, it says 7 to 8 p.m. Okay. okay. So that doesn't seem like a lot of time, does it? One well, hour. You have to be there on time, I guess. Get there and go. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it gets so dark. that dusk. It gets dark like 6.30 now. It's, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it gets as it, as the evening goes on, it gets even really more black. Right. So, but right. that's that's something that might be worth considering. And I have got my work cut out for me for this weekend. I have started pulling out some annual plants. Oh, some of those things like marigolds and things. That, that I don't know how much value those seed heads are to the birds. Oh yeah. Well, you know, some of them I know, like the uh, what are they called? The the, the liatris. They've got those seeds, and I know the birds like those, and some of the yeah. salvias and things like that. But you're right. I don't know. I've been collecting the seed heads and putting them in buckets and stripping them off, and I'm going to bring them to my niece's 
house. She has a brand new house that they built in uh, way out in the country in, near Woodville, Wisconsin. And it's basically a, a bare pallet that they had uh, sowed winter. I think it's winter wheat or rye, rye, I guess maybe it is to have something so the soil sure. didn't blow away. So I'm going to take that and winter sow that. So then in the spring, she will hopefully have some of those nice uh, native mm-hmm. plants that I've collected from all my plants uh, seed heads yeah and then that way because what happens I like to leave some for the birds but also they can spread too much and (laughs) and then I have too many growing up but the other thing I'm doing in some is cutting off the tops of the seed heads so then you have uh, like a hollow so then the bees can go in there and lay Uh, their eggs and things like that so that's another thing is to leave those hollow stems because that's really important now a lot of things though like the marigolds once that 19 degree temperature that frost once we got that they're mush they're just laying on the ground right so if i get those out then i'll have to cover the bare soil up with do you compost them because the uh, the thing is if you compost them you get all the seeds and things unless it gets hot enough or do you put those in maybe just a Uh, brush dump i have a place back by my fence and honestly i put them there okay they're already watery and mushy yeah and they are over the summer they'll just disappear you don't want to put a lot of seed heads even if that i mean from any flower into your compost pile because honestly they will grow it seems like <laughs> they are so vigorous they will grow and then you will say oh gosh i don't know if i should pull them on it's gonna be so nice and maybe it's gonna be just a little variation on what i planted i really should leave this and pretty soon you can't tell what's what every year our compost pile ends up to be a big pumpkin growing pile with some sort of squash or something because if you put like the old pumpkins in there and you compost them the seeds survive and then sometimes we get actual plants or produce off of that which is like yeah we'll just leave it here yeah if you've got space you can do a lot of different things if you don't I mean that's that's really sad but you don't (laughs) have to be uh, it's not like cleaning house I mean, you just don't have to go wipe the slate clean. And if you've got time now and you've been in doubt about your the vigor of your plants, if you thought, gee, you know, that used to grow be taller or I used to have more blooms. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking mostly about annuals or about perennials too. Maybe you want to go take a soil sample now. It's and, a good time to take a soil sample yeah. and also add compost to the soil. Now. Right. And take it in three different areas and send it off to the university and they will tell you exactly what it is that you need to amend the soil. And I've read a couple of those uh, soil reports. They're not the easiest thing to understand. So Shane says, bring it to the extension office. He will be happy to go through and review it with anybody, and and you will understand what you need to do. You know, that is true. They are difficult, because as a master gardener, that's one thing in some of the classes is that they teach you how to read those, and even after you've gone through the class, it's still difficult. I remember having a whole bunch of soil samples done, and you have to really, like you said, it's it's nice to have somebody who can help interpret that. And, and the extension service does it, and it's free. That's the yeah, neat thing right. about using the extension service. It's there for us, and I think it would be great if more people would use that. Yeah, all you need is a phone call. Yeah, Just, and, yeah. Sh- and Shane, our own in Blue Earth County, he's great to work with. He is. So, Barb, I, I've uh, had to develop a Christmas list for we, we exchange names at our place. <gasps> and you'll laugh at me, but I put another Hori Hori knife on my list. Did you? I love Does that make three? Yeah, it'll make three, but you know, I can just never have enough. 
Right. Well, you know, here's the thing. You've got two places, too. Right, right. So, so we have two because of the garden at Good Council, and we would keep one with the garden tools that went up there and then one at home. And the one at home, of course, I lose every day almost. Oh, yeah. I put it down and forget where I put it. I also want to keep one in the in my vehicle because when I go places, I usually help somebody garden, and yeah, that's just the best idea. tool. So I'm just putting it out there. A hoary hoary knife is an amazing tool for your garden. And if you would recommend anything else, do you have anything? Because people are now thinking of what to get for Christmas in ca- some cases. Well, that's true. To get the Black uh, Friday sales and all that kind of thing. Right. Well, take a look at what's new in uh, pruning tools, too. Mm-hmm. Whether you need a pruning saw or whether you think you want a, a clipper. So they wear out. The blades get dull. We did a lot of pruning this summer, it seems like. Despite the fact that we had very little rain, anything like the French pussy willow that I have, that thing just grew and grew and grew. (laughs) I don't know why. And I had to keep cutting it back because uh, if I don't, the deer come in and they do cut it back. Oh, yeah. Now's the time, too, to wrap your trees, by the way. Oh, my gosh, yes. And and maybe you need to do some of that metal wire, they call it, that you use. The mesh. Yeah, the mesh, get that on there, get it tight, push it into the ground, right? Because if you have deer or or anything that rub or little animals that chew on it, if you lose that outer layer all around, that's where how the tree gets the food in its canopy, and you'll lose the tree if you don't. Right. And so or we shrubs. are putting up a mesh fence in front of our foundation planting in the front yard. Never had that before. I think they look pretty unsightly, but we don't want the But the deer. snow will help cover kind of anyway. Yeah, and the deer come right up between my neighbor's house and my house, and I don't want them to make a new shortcut right. and go across in my foundation planting and then go to the next yard and the next yard and so on. So maybe this will help keep them Operation out. Barbara's Fence. Yes. Thanks, Barb. It's always Thank great you. to have you on. We appreciate you.